Welcome to the Shit Talk Podcast. I'm your host, Liz Broder. Are you ready to shoot the shit? Welcome back to the Shit Talk Podcast. I have a very special episode for you today. I'm joined by Natalia from Effortlessly Abundant Life. If you're not familiar with her, she is a mindset shifter and a subconscious expert that attributes all of her successes, whether it's on the stage with America's Got Talent or as a top business development executive and a mom, to her bridge method. She's a certified hypnotherapist, certified practitioner of neuro-linguistic programming, NLP, and has a board certification from the International Board of Coaches and Practitioners. Natalia has helped hundreds of souls reach their inner freedom and maximize their fullest potential. Her passion is to help you achieve long-lasting happiness and live your dream life with less doing, less stress, and less effort. I have to tell you, we had such a lovely conversation. Of course, we talk about mindset shifts, how that connects with nutrition. We talk a lot about mindful eating and just things people get tripped up with when it comes to why they're eating, figuring out the source of disordered eating, and really getting in touch with how you're feeling, and how to change things when you want to make a change. It's a great conversation. You're going to love it. Please enjoy. Welcome to the Shit Talk Podcast, Natalia from Effortlessly Abundant Life. Happy Friday. We're recording this on a Friday. How are you? I am so good. I'm so excited. Listen, I'm from Israel. And <laughs> when I saw your title of your of your podcast, I was like, I need to be there because I'm from Israel. And, you know, for me, shit talks me in like straight up, yeah. no bullshit, like as it is. So yeah. this is like perfect. <laughs> I love that. Thank you. Yeah, I'm definitely a straight shooter and lots of shit talk about literal shit and other shit. So it's like it's, the shit talk is all encompassing. Yes. It's a lifestyle. <laughs> it's, oh my God. It's a lifestyle. Like it's a commitment. It's a lifestyle. But I'm so glad we got connected, you know, for the long time shit talk listeners. I'm a registered dietitian for those who don't know, but there's a lot that goes into mindful eating, being in touch with yourself and just even in terms of like wellness routines, like understanding where you need to shift things, where you need to make changes. And it's it all starts with the mindset. So the fact that you're a mindset shifter and subconscious expert, I mean, I have a million questions and you're going to be so helpful to the shit talk listeners. Um, Yeah. I mentioned all of your credentials, obviously in the intro, but a certified hypnotherapist, I'm dying to know, like, I'm sure you can't disclose too much, but do you have any wild stories that come to mind of like, a hypnotherapy patient? So here's the thing. There's a lot of mis kind of understanding what it means, hypnotherapy, because people, okay. when they think about it, they think about the magician mm-hmm. that, you know, hypnotize people on stage and do crazy things and make do like the people make crazy things. But in real reality, we're hypnotized all the time. We're always subjected to some kind of influence right? We're not aware of it. It could be through the TV, through whatever people say around us, whatever that is. But all of that means is entering our subconscious mind. Um, I got to tell you, like, honestly, I never had anything crazy, but only amazing, amazing results. And that's why I swear by this. And 
is just the most incredible way. And just think about it. It started way back then in the 1900s. And in World War I, when they didn't have anesthesia to perform during a surgery back in those days, so soldiers that needed to do those procedures actually were hypnotized, so they're not going to feel the pain. Wow. Right? So think about how powerful your mind is. If you can do that to reduce pain, to actually be able to quit smoking, quit habits that have been been very heavy for years and years and years in your life, obviously losing weight, um, change any pattern that is not serving you. It's just incredible. So no crazy, <laughs> no crazy experiences, okay. but only good ones. <laughs> That's amazing. I actually, I have a friend with, she had severe IBS. She still has IBS, but it's not in a bad state. At least the last time I had spoken with her about it. And she swore by hypnotherapy. Mm. Seriously. And I was like, what? And she's like, yeah, like for my bowels, like obviously it's mental, but like focused on relaxing your bowels and, and the gut. And I was literally like, I thought she was joking at first. I was like, she's like, no, seriously. Yep. Seriously. It is. It is. And honestly, it sounds very like big word, but honestly, what it is, what it is, it's guided meditation. Right. And it's, you have to do it in a certain way that is very specific. And, and it, there is a formula how to do it. There's different kinds of hypnotherapies, but it's very important to do it with somebody you really, really trust. And also understand that people are sometimes scared, like what she's going to do to me, right? Can she just manipulate my mind and do kind of like and put something crazy in my mm-hmm. mind? No, 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 no. You're always, always protected by your subconscious mind. And this is one thing that I always remind people that you cannot get hurt. You always protect it and you always, your subconscious mind is the best for you. And that's what it's for, to keep you safe. Wow. So it's just a really, really good way to put you in certain state where you open the suggestions and just initially really put whatever that is that you do want in your life kind of change the wiring they currently have that we all been wired since the age of seven, actually, primarily, that's like the foundation of our brain foundation of beliefs and what we believe, what could be true for us, what could be true for the world. And a lot of times I see that people never took a check of what did they believe? What did they think? All these things that they carry through the whole entire life until something bad happens. It could be a disease. It could be not making the money that they want, not finding the partner that they want, whatever that is. But really, really, when you go back into what is the source is that it's the beliefs and the and the feelings and the experiences that we kind of put in our brain and our subconscious mind that we just kind of carry and see life from. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, we all say it, like we know it, right? The concept of like, yeah, my past experiences shape my outlook or, you know, if I have biases or how I approach things, but no one really like takes the time to think about what that means. And cause I deal with this a lot with people with dietetics and eating, like the emotions or the reward value they have tied up in, in food in general or in specific foods or specific meals. And yeah, you really need to go back to the emotion. Like, okay, you're eating this, you're coming home from work and you're binge eating this specific food. But like, why? What's stressing you out? What's causing you to binge eat? And why that food? So what does the food mean? You know, typically people have 
past experiences where that was what they had when they were, you know, if their mom was consoling them or if they were sick, like it was comfort food or something that they would typically associate with feeling better or being taken care of. So like we, we understand it in theory, but we never stop to actually take the time and look for those associations that you're talking about with the subconscious. Before we get into that, Mm -hmm. I want to ask, because I, of course, mentioned it earlier in the intro about the bridge method. Mm. Do you mind explaining to me and the Shit Talk listeners, what is your bridge method? So the bridge method, it's pretty much because I'm a multi-passionate person that uses multiple uh, tools that I acquire throughout life that I know that are life-changing. Um, and I honestly don't believe one size fits all. I don't believe one thing can change everything for you. Although I believe in hypnotherapy, some people will not feel the, you know, the big changes from that and that's okay. But that's why I bring multiple tools such as NLP that we all kind of know about hypnotherapy, as you know, RT, which is rapid resolution therapy, which is fantastic. Um, obviously my intuition, human design, um, so many different things that I bring to the table to really look at the person and say, okay, what is it about you, who you really are and find the best tool that works for you. And also bridging where you are to where you want to be. Cause I believe this just takes a little bridge that we need to build. And, uh, it's not as far as you think. Absolutely. Yeah. I love that because most of the time we have to sit down and evaluate where are we, where do we want to be? And how do we get there? And that's the hard part. That's the overwhelming part for a lot of people is like, oh my God, I need to go do X, Y, Z for the next two years. You know, like, but that's where like, break it down, set feasible goals. And before you know it, you're there. The bridge is built. You crossed it. I can tell you that this is the NLP approach, right? This is kind of like what we all used to, right? That, okay, setting a goal, break it down, put it on your schedule, you know, be held accountable. That is great. But I feel in this time that we live right now, it's a very unique time. You know, people are kind of being more open to spirituality. People are more aware of their energies. There is some kind of awakening that is happening, right? And we understand that it's not just about achieving. It's not just about getting to the goal. Because before you know it, and I don't know about you, I'm a high achiever. And I got all the goals that I wanted, but I was feeling empty. I was feeling like it's not enough. I was feeling that I put so much time and effort. And then when I got it, it wasn't as good as I thought. And it didn't make me feel as I thought it should make me feel. So you feel this huge void inside. And then you realize it's not about that. It's really about finding within right now the feeling of gratitude, of happiness. Because in the end of the day, whatever you want out there, It's a feeling that you can feel right now if you give yourself the permission and not always chasing your own tail or chasing the next thing or numbing your pain to not feel or whatever that is. It's all there. It's just about connecting to what is right now because that's honestly what we have is the here and now. (laughs) Right. Yeah, absolutely. And I was actually listening to your podcast earlier, which I'll link, of course, in the show notes for everyone. But you were saying something, again, a concept I've heard, but like I don't stop to take the time to think about it is that energy flows where we're focusing. So like if you're focusing on the negative, if you're focusing on what's not working, et cetera, et cetera, that's where the energy is going. How do you 
advise people when it comes to shifting how to focus their energy in a productive manner? I love this question. I think (laughs) it's the million dollar question, right? Yeah. Because I feel right now we're living in such a fast paced life. We bombarded social media, like living in New York, especially if you live in New York, talking about like, there's so much going on right now, not only in the physical realm, but also in the spiritual realm as well. There's just Mm -hmm. a lot going on, especially with the super full blue moon that we had in the yesterday. So here's the thing. It's always about finding the center within you. And there's a lot of different ways to do it for different people and depends where you are in your kind of development, right? Where we, where you, where you are right now. Some people need that breathing in and exhaling everything out and just being that present moment, bring themselves back and really feel like instead of the energy going forward, really take that second to acknowledge where's my energy, how I'm feeling and bring it back while you're inhaling and exhaling. That could be that. Some people need to dance. Some people need to just shake it off, right? Some people need to just listen to really good music and or call the best friend or just journal or say affirmation. But I, everybody needs to find what is it for them. But I do think it starts with, first of all, rituals, right? Finding that time for yourself. If it's 10 or 15 minutes a day, I recommend to do it in the morning just because that's where you're not being, you know, as already... Your energy is not already out there and it, you can kind of manage it better and be more centered with yourself. So start by just being silent with yourself. And that is the hardest part for a lot of people to really just be with the feelings and feel the feelings and listen to their thoughts because they think meditation is about quietness and, and perfect. Like you don't need to feel or hear or do anything. Like it's just a silent thing. No, it's about being aware and observe what is going on in your mind. What is this chatter? What is this feeling that comes up? What is this anxiety that you're trying to numb with your food? What is all these things that are happening? Because let me tell you, you cannot just get rid of it. You can you can actually get rid of it, but actually being in it and allow it to move through you. And then slowly but surely, you can start moving it. And of course, it's not as easy as one, two, three. A lot of times it, it's deeper work. But just the intention and just the breathing, which is all we all we all can breathe, and it's a free tool we can all use, but nobody really uses this because we don't really breathe the way we should, is really take that cleansing breath in and allow everything to excel and just melt away and do it a couple of times, three times, four times, and before you know it, you feel a change, you feel a certain way. And uh, maybe find yourself a nice affirmation that is towards whatever day you want to keep remind you that your thoughts are not who you are. It's just a thought. It's like a cloud. It comes in, it comes out, but you can choose your thoughts. And it's, it's like anything else. It's just practice. And you got to get better and better in this. Yes. Consistency is always key, no matter what habits you're working on. But you said a lot of really interesting things in there. And, you know, from the dietitian's perspective, of course, it just makes you think of, food, why people eat. So I want to talk a little about mindful eating. How often do you encounter people who come to you with problems surrounding food or their mindset around food? All of them. And it's it's very, very interesting. Yeah. Because I feel food is such a reflection of who we are. 
because it's it's a survival thing, right? It, it's like money, by the way. People that are not really good with their money, there's a deeper issue there, right? If you have not the best, uh, let's say, diet habits, it comes back to self-worth, self-love. Um, and I see it a lot, a lot, a lot of times that people are really punishing themselves through food or they overindulge with food or they just don't have a healthy relationship with food, period. Right. Yeah. Well, it's interesting because when you're saying like sit with the feelings, this is where, and I've mentioned this in other episodes as well, like people place a reward value on food Mm. and it's used to manage stress. It's used when they're sad. It's used when they're happy. Mm -hmm. Like the the go-to, um, Example I use is like birthday cake. Every year you have birthday cake on your birthday, you're celebrating. And, you know, we use it to celebrate. We use it when we're sad. We use it to dull senses. We use it when we're stressed. And a lot of it's mindless eating. And it's instead of sitting with the emotions and figuring out why do I feel this way? What's causing the stress? What am I celebrating? What's a more positive way I could, you know, maybe recognize this moment or, you know, et cetera. People use food for all sorts of reasons. It's like, we don't necessarily think of it the way we think of alcoholism or drug abuse. And it's not always necessarily that extreme, but people do abuse food in a way. It is a drug for some people. How do you go about working with people with this in terms of, you know, and as we said, it doesn't just happen one, two, three consistency is key, but where do you start with people when it's like either overeating or mindless snacking or turning to food? when they need to deal with the emotion instead? Oof. <laughs> I love your questions. <laughs> so good. I mean, to be honest with you, what you said, food is drug a lot of times, especially when we talk about cakes. We've been, listen, if you really test the response of when you eat something that is high in sugars, it's the same way like somebody who does heroin. Oh, yeah. So it doesn't matter for the brain. It doesn't matter for the body. There is a certain craving that is happening. And I, I do believe there is something that needs to happen on the, also on the physical level and also on the mindset level. That's why I really love this conversation because both of us can bring something else to the table that needs to happen at the same time. I do believe the body needs to go through a certain kind of cleanse because it is important to kind of neutralize whatever is happening. If it's the sugar level, if it's the hormonal level, if it's you're just like your kidneys or you're just liver and um, your lymphatic system as well, that that is all kind of clogged with mm-hmm. all these foods that honestly, I'm from Israel. And I remember when I came here, I was shocked how everything is just doesn't taste like real tomato or vegetable fruit or and everything is just bombarded with like artificial you know colors and 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 flavors and all these things and you don't think about it but you feel heavy you feel sluggish and that's what happened to me by the way i was literally 30 pounds heavier and that happened also in israel but also happened here when i moved here when i was 21. And I remember like, what is going on here? Why I'm not really eating that much. I do indulge here and there, but it's not to the point where I, what is going on here? And it's really looking into the food that I'm eating and say, okay, this is, this is, it's not just, you know, 
whatever, whatever that, whatever I ate, it's like, there's more into it that the body just can't digest. So I really believe, and this is something you can feel free to jump in and say whatever you think about cleansing, but I do think it is important because then the craving is not as strong on the mind level is really to take a step back. And that is why I'm saying go back to your rituals, come back to your center, what centers you, because the more you're going to do it, the more you're going to know that you're triggered. It's also like sometimes we're triggered to say the wrong thing or say something or, or do something, you know, that is impulsive. It's same thing with, with food. A lot of times when people do that, they do it by themselves, right? They hide this, right? They do it either they're back from work and they just jump on the fridge or they just do grab hop and just order whatever on those on the menu. But be honest with yourself and say to yourself, okay, I'm having a moment right now. And I really want this, whatever meal this, I really need this drink right now. And instead of that, can I sit with my emotions right now? And I know you just want to kind of like you're rolling your eyes. I can literally see people do it as <laughs> not me to be to clarify. I'm not rolling my eyes. <laughs> it's totally okay. Cause I used to be there too. I was like, shut up. I just want the meal. Leave me alone. It's not as bad, but the problem is who's controlling who you controlling the food or food controlling you. And this is where you want to really be intentional because it's not just the food. Let me tell you, if you cannot control what you put in your mouth, in your body, you cannot control the people you choose in your life. Your boundaries are probably not as strong. It goes through every area in your life. And let me tell you, and and I kind of said it to you, but this is very important to understand that eating properly and eating healthy It's not just you look good and feel good. It's great. It's a form of self-love. If you truly love yourself and you truly respect your body and yourself, you will never overeat or you'll never do something to harm yourself, right? Think about yourself like as a child, your own child. You will never do it. But yet we're doing it to ourselves. So first step is just be aware. Take a step back. And what I really like to do is literally take an essential oil. Essential oils are beautiful to kind of right away tap into our nervous system and just calm it down. So by five deep breaths in, intentionally breathing in and out, calming down, you will see there is not as much that, that I need this right now. Take a glass of water because probably you're thirsty. <laughs> And your body doesn't know if it's thirsty or not. Take a deep breath in, take a glass of water and really ask yourself, do I want it? Do I really want, like, am I really hungry or just I want it? And sometimes the answer is going to be, I want it. And I'm not about completely like be all good and straight. Like that, that's just not realistic, but it's going to keep you feeling. It's not a zero hundred type of thing. I want you to think about it as like, okay, I made a better choice this time. And it's going to be better and better and better as you go. And celebrate the fact that you did that and see it as a win, even if you chose to eat that quote-unquote bad thing. Does that make sense? Yeah, it makes (laughs) sense. I have a few things to add and then 
follow-up questions. But I just want to touch on, you know, when we were speaking about it as a drug, the same circuits in the brain as when you do cocaine with sugar. I, I mean, I think they say sugar is like 80 times more addictive than cocaine. And again, it all comes back to that dopamine hit and you get that same dopamine hit from food. So it's just an important, just, I mean, there's more complicated science behind it, but it's a an important concept to mention. And that's one of those things the more your body gets used to it, the more it craves it. Like for example, your taste buds can recalibrate. I think it's every like seven to 10 days. Your gut microbiome recalibrates every few days as well based on what you eat. So those first few days when you're trying to shift what you're eating or how much you're eating something, those first few days are the hardest. But if you can hold out, if you can push through, if you can really do it and you know be mentally tough, work on water, work on, you know, like focus on other things, which we can also talk about later. But if you can really get through those few days, then your body starts working with you rather than against you because it's had the time for the taste buds to recalibrate. The gut has also restructured and the better food you eat, the better food you crave. That also goes back to blood sugar control. Sugar, as we know, sends us on the roller coaster up and down. And then you're constantly craving quick, like simple sugars for the quick energy because you're like on the roller coaster, then you're down, you're tired, you need the quick energy. So that's just like, that's a vicious cycle. So mm. it's really interesting how it's definitely, you know, change is hard and it takes time. And the beginning is usually the hardest part, but once you get over that hump and this is where the mental toughness and the mindset and the subconscious really plays a huge role. So I just wanted to mention that about, you know, dopamine, sugar, gut and taste buds recalibrating. Keep that in mind if you are someone who's trying to make changes in terms of food choices. And the other thing is just, you touched on this, but, you know, using food as a form of control. So like, and I've mentioned this before, when you overeat, when you undereat, both of those are ways that we use food as a form of control because we manage, we're managing how we're eating, what we're eating, when we're eating. And I wanted to talk to you about this in terms of like the subconscious and childhood and experiences, because a lot of times it's something that happened in childhood. And now our relationship with food is a matter of control. And then that for a lot of times we see, at least in dietetics, we'll see that's the stemming from like an eating disorder, whether that being someone overeating or undereating, both are considered forms of eating disorders or disordered eating. So it's really fascinating when you mentioned, you know, the first seven years of your life and the subconscious. So I want to hear more about that, like childhood and how the trauma can manifest. And then we turn to food. All the messy things. I love it. Okay. Fantastic. <laughs> Sorry. It's too heavy for Friday. You're like, why, does she, why is she asking me these questions? I love it. No, no, no. God damn it. It's just so, so important. And these are like deep conversations that needs to be talked more um, and you, you touch on something so important, as you said, this is a form of control because we feel, and this is the ego, right? The ego wants to know that it's in control, which is false. We're not in control. <laughs> That's the truth. Right. We are not. In We've control. been misled. We have been misled, but the ego wants to think, oh, I can control how much I eat. And if I'll starve myself, oh, then I'm going to be. I look better. People are going to love me. I'm going to get adored. Um, I actually worked with a model that she even taught that she is too big, right? And 
it's it's kind of fascinating that still in 2023 you have this even issue right that wow. you are need to be in a certain size to fit this model kind of whatever right, the you need to be and in today's world like there's room for every size but aside of that but just from a quick conversation with her i could really realize there's deeper issues there and she came from a broken home uh, both parents got divorced. There was a lot of chaos at home. There was a lot of emotions that she couldn't really deal with. And what happens when we live in a very chaotic environment are to protect us, right? We kind of detach ourselves from that. We're emotionally detaching. So we might, in the conscious level, we might not even remember what happened. And a lot of time, a lot of people tell me my son is nine, 19 months right now. And I, you know, I really try to have him exposed to him as many things and do as many things. And people are like, whatever, he's not going to remember it. I'm like, no, 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 no. Maybe he's not consciously going to remember, but his subconscious is going to definitely remember it. And now is the time to make sure that his base is healthy and strong. So let's say with that uh, particular person that um, I was helping with, she was dealing with this whole childhood chaos and everything was stored in her brain in that way, right? And here she is trying to be liked, trying to be accepted, and moreover, tried to be paid for her looks, right? And she got through a very bad kind of breakup with her boyfriend. So there's a lot of things going on here. Like she felt this there's no control. There's nothing like what she wants is not happening. She doesn't have the relationship she wants. She's by herself in New York City. All these things. And the only thing she could tr control is the food. And it wasn't from a place of loving herself or nourishing her body. It was a way to punish herself and feeling like, oh, I cannot eat more than this. Or I, I, it's always that it's constant anxiety and constant this like you exist for like only thinking about it. And, and it's, it's like obsessive, right? And this is exactly what happened because exactly what we talked about, how it's connected to the childhood. So the problem is, yes, we could give her a better diet. We can you know, and people around her, that's what they did, right? They tried to control what she eats and thinking, okay, she's going to lose a little bit of weight. But her body was resisting. Her body didn't allow, even though she was eating properly and doing the workouts and all the things, she, her body would not drop the weight because it was trying to protect itself. And I see it a lot of people, including my husband, by the way, <laughs> And I'm, perfect. and I'm telling you, and it also comes from his childhood. It's a whole thing. I'm not going to go into it, but I'm going to just tell you that a lot of times the body stores fat as a way to protect itself. Well, yeah. And fight or flight. Fly or fight. Exactly. Thinking like, I got to have this, even like, think about what is, what is, what is this distance create? Mm -hmm. Right. Why, why would you want that? And it's, it's, it's fascinating how our body is, by the way, a mirror of our subconscious mind. So, and it doesn't matter like you're, if you're are overweight, you are, something is wrong with you. And if you're, you're skinny, nothing is wrong with you. No, it doesn't matter. It could be in both ways, as you said, but it's really, really interesting. And, and I believe that so much can be 
you know, healed through going back to childhood and not from a place of therapists where we're just kind of like talking about it and all these things, but bring your adult version of yourself to your inner child and show them that, hey, you're okay, you're protected. I'm here and you have me. Although your parents failed you, although your society failed you, whatever happened to you, it is not fair, but I'm here for you and you're okay. And this is actually what happened to you is a gift because it's going to help you to help more other people, right? And then you can right. do it by experience it by yourself. And this is what happened to her after a few sessions that we did. She, she didn't do anything unique with her diet or working out more. She just dropped the weight. The body saw it as safe to release the weight, release the resistance, the water retention, and all the things that she was holding on to, right. and feel more safe in her body. Right. That I mean, I have a lot of things to say. That makes so much sense. First off, fight or flight, when we're in survival mode, panic mode. One, cortisol, the stress hormone. Once, when that goes up, we have a much harder time losing weight and we store fat because our body is in a state of stress. And again, this goes back to like a hundred million years ago, but it's like, we don't know when we're going to get food. And they, what the body does is it holds on to the fat literally for even warmth, you know, protecting the body and, and also just for like nutrients. So when you are in a state of stress, whether you're aware of it or it's subconscious, it makes it very hard to lose weight and the body often responds by holding on to what it, what you're feeding it, even if you're doing everything right. Mm -hmm. And then the funny part is when you shift your mindset with that, I can speak to this personally, the weight drops. Now I have, this is like a bit of an extreme story. It's short, but I can just tell you this. I got divorced as my listeners know. I don't hesitate to mention it, <laughs> but you know, I was in a, what I've been able to reflect on now three years out is I was, my body was in a heightened state of stress for around a decade, just based on what was going on. And I had no idea in the time. Of course. But what I can tell you is the day I left, which was obviously for me, I would say that was the hardest part of the whole thing. Once you leave, I'm not gonna say it's easy, but that was the hardest step for me. The day I left, the next day I lost five pounds. I woke up five pounds lighter. And then over the next week, I lost another five pounds. So I lost 10 pounds literally in seven days. And now clinically, we would say that's unhealthy. You know, that's um, too much. Too fast. Too, it's too much, too fast. And there's a problem. It was unintentional weight loss. I wasn't doing anything unhealthy. I was eating. I was hydrating. But for me, it was the relief of it all. I was living, I didn't even realize how much my body was holding. This is the point of the story. My body was holding onto weight and I had no idea because I was in such a heightened state of stress. And when I finally took that first step and left, it was such a relief. Mm. I am not kidding when I tell you overnight, five pounds came off. Wow. And I'm not someone who I don't starve myself. I don't typically under eat. I'm an eater. I love food. I enjoy food. I like drinking. I live life. Like I, I've always had fun and I've always had a taste for like fun and party, like always. Anyone who knows me knows that. So, you know, this wasn't like, oh, I was trying to lose weight and being really strict. No, this was literally like 
my body, I felt safe. I finally felt safe. And it sounds dramatic. And if someone had told me this before, I'd be like, yeah, whatever. I swear to God, that true story. <laughs> I feel a lot there of people living in the flight and fight and we're not even aware of it because it just became so normal. <laughs> right. That's the thing. It became normal. And for me personally, it was one of those things where like my day to day was not unsafe and my day to day was not chaos, but I was constantly anticipating some sort of stressful event and it always happened. Mm -hmm. And I can blame myself that I, you know, that I was like manifesting it. I I don't know. I'm not going to blame myself because it literally had nothing to do with me personally, but I was living with someone and I knew, and you know, you could the behavior eventually became predictable and I knew when it was coming and I was always waiting for it. And then it would happen. And then you have to deal with the recovery of it happening and, and you know, the emotions associated with that. And then, you know, you start to feel good again and then you start anticipating it again. And that was my life for almost 10 years, but I really didn't recognize the pattern until I was out of it and able to really understand it. And I was also, I mean, to my defense, I was young. This was my twenties. So like I left when I was 30. So, you know, it's, it's, there's no excuses, but that's the reality I was living in. And for me, like now I'm very much more aware than I would have been like in my early twenties. You're amazing for sharing this. Cause I, I know I've been there and throughout my childhood, I had my, you know, I experienced violence and this is exactly it. This is the anticipation that kills right. you because you never know when it's going to come. Right. And you always feel you got to get your guards up and, and get yourself and you can never relax. And never. it's almost like you get addicted to it. Right. And yeah. it's a form of safety that is not true safety. So I'm so yeah. proud of you for doing Thank this. Thank you. Wow. Yeah. It's like, you're never safe. It's weird talking about it now. Cause now I have a whole different perspective after listening to you and speaking about this, but, and obviously I've taken time myself to reflect on it, but yeah, it's almost like you're never safe. You, even though in my head, I like, I felt very safe and I was had a roof over my head and it's not like I was any sort of physical violence or anything like that. But uh, yeah, your body knows it's not, it's like, it's constantly anticipating you're in this constant state of basically not feeling safe. And then, and I wasn't actively trying to lose weight or anything. It wasn't, had nothing to do with weight and I wasn't abusing food. It had nothing to do with that, but clearly my body was holding on Mm. to things, food, calories, whatever, in a way that it was responding to a threat or a lack of safety. Yes. Yes. And it doesn't have to be big things. And a lot of people think, oh, I'm not experiencing like violence Right. If you don't feel safe, you don't feel safe. It doesn't matter. Don't, you know, don't underestimate that. And sometimes we have to see things for what they are. And if you cannot leave your relationship right now, or you cannot leave your job right now, or whatever that is, but take some time away, just being outside in nature and really notice the difference. How are you? And really see, okay, am I like, you know, you almost like you become that version of yourself when you're in the certain environment and then you can really feel when you're yourself mm-hmm. and really see if this is what you truly want to live in for your rest of your life. If this is truly the most loving thing you can do for yourself. Right. Yeah. And I like how you say to get out in nature because, and this, you're going to laugh at me, but I go to the dog park every day with my dog, Sadie, who was barking earlier. So apologies, but 
If you want, I love watching dogs at the dog park because they're doing what humans would do if we didn't get embarrassed, basically. Yes. And there's no butts, absolutely. Right. <laughs> but one of the thing is, one of the things they, you know, you know, a dog is too aggressive or another dog is threatened because they'll like it will look like they're playing, and if. Sometimes to humans, we're like, oh my God, they're aggressive. But what all the dog trainers say is no, if they feel threatened, they walk away. So like they're playing, it may look a little rough, but they're having fun. Once Mm -hmm. they feel it's not fun or the other dog is mean or whatever, the dogs remove themselves from the situation. Mm. That's how you can tell when like, cause they're like, when Sadie was a puppy, I was like, oh my God, this dog coming in too hot. They're like, no, no, don't worry. Like, and then the dog does walk away if they feel it's not safe or like, oh, never mind, I'm not having fun anymore kind of thing. Right. And, you know, they make it look so easy. But my point is getting out in nature, you don't have to observe dogs. But if you observe any sort of like natural, I don't want to say pecking order, but like if you're out in the woods or you're out in nature and you watch that group of birds or you're watching the geese or the duck, ducks on the pond, whatever it is, I, I'm telling you, I sound nuts right now. No, I love, I love it. It's literally, I love observing well, I love observing anyone or anything in their natural habitat, but especially yeah. animals mm-hmm. because they behave in a way. I mean, obviously they have aggression and things that we have no, learned. But you're touching on a very important point. Like, right. you, here's the thing. We, being a human being, it's a blessing and a curse, right? Because we have a choice of how we choose to both feel, believe, and right. do. We have and the control. animals, yes. And animals are just the way they are, right? Mm-hmm. There's no choice here, right? But we can learn so much from animals. And I feel like we are the animals, to be honest with you. And the animals are something that we need to learn more from. Yeah. Um, And and really learn like, okay. And and one thing is very important. what, What if you are observing birds, one thing you notice or ducks or anything like that, you see once they feel a certain kind of energy, right? That is them feel safe or good. They just shake it off and they move on. Literally. And we store the emotion, the feeling, the thoughts, and we keep what? Repeating and repeating and repeating and repeating and repeating and repeating again and again. We make arguments in our head. We are doing all these things. We're thinking about it in the middle of the night. All those things, right? And again, we, we keep it. And then the body remembers it and becomes, God forbid, a disease when you're not forgiving that person, truly living, right? And we're not releasing. We're holding on to things. So we're holding on on top of, you know, it's kind of stackable, all these events that happened in the past. And that's why it's so important to release, truly release the events that happened to you in the past the experiences, the people, the relationship, even for yourself and forgive yourself. Because without that, you cannot experience true existence of what you actually meant to be and do. Um, and one of the good kind of like uh, examples that I like to give, and people think by holding on to the shame or to God, if, if they did something wrong and really holding on to it, ask yourself, would you go to a surgeon? that feels very guilty that they screw things up, right? Let's say they, they perform a really bad surgery and they feel really, really guilty because they really, really care. Would you want to go to that surgeon or would you want to go to a surgeon that is clear, that is free, that is focused, 
and really ask yourself, what would you want to be? What, what version of yourself you want to be? Yes, you care, but it's not serving you to hold on to the shame, holding on to the blame, holding on to the anger. It's not serving because you are the one who's carrying all those things, your body. And by releasing and truly forgiving, you really allow yourself to tap in to what you truly meant to be. Yes, that's beautiful. And also just that goes hand in hand too with confidence. Like if you're talking about like the surgeon, for example, it's like you want to go to the surgeon who knows what they're doing, who's speaking to you with confidence, who's making you feel like if they are doubting themselves or they're like, yeah, but I really messed this up. That's going to make you feel uncomfortable. You'd be like, well, I don't want to go to you. Don't touch me. Yeah. Right. Exactly. So it's all like how we view ourselves is absolutely, it's not necessarily exactly how the world views us, but it definitely impacts then what we put out to the world and how people are going to respond to us. Absolutely. And I just want to touch on something very important that I think it's kind of part of the subconscious mind where we talked about like the events that happened to you in the childhood kind of shape who you are. But also one thing in the subconscious mind, and when we talk about NLP, we have kind of like the thoughts and on top of it, we have the beliefs and on top of it, we have the values. And right on the top of the pyramid, we have identity. And I see a lot of people that having a hard time losing weight, they having a hard time seeing themselves as skinny people because they have kind of like a thought or belief or, or like a version of what skinny pe- person is, right? Either they're mean people or are they all about their looks or wh- whatever that means to them. And it's very important to kind of clear that false image of what do you think it is and understand that you can make it your own and it's safe for you to become that healthier, skinnier version of yourself. Um, it's just something that I want to put out for some, I don't know who, somebody needs to hear it, but here we go. (laughs) I'm glad you said it. Well, and especially too, like if I'm working with people and just, you know, a lot of it is how we see ourselves and I, you know, I've read a million self-help books and atomic habits and all of that. And a lot of them say like, behave the way the person you want to be would behave. So it's not to say if you're 500 pounds that you're, you're going to actually feel like you're 150 pounds. Like, no, but you need to take the time to work on viewing yourself differently. And then what steps need to be taken in order for you to start viewing yourself differently in order for you to start working towards whatever it is you're working towards. So I love that approach because it's basically like behave in the way the, say you have like your dream version of you behave the way you think that person would behave. I take that concept really seriously and I take it really seriously when it comes to mindset because I'm someone who's like in my head, I'll overanalyze, I'll get annoyed, I'll like make up a whole thing that like didn't happen, but I'm like, no, I know this is what they're thinking, like a false narrative. I'm like, this is what they're thinking. This is what I want to say. But it's like, no, don't get lost in other people. Focus on yourself. And especially since these last three years for me personally have been like very much all about me. I try to take steps that I think the dream, my dream version of myself would be doing in her day-to-day life. And again, this isn't overnight and it takes time and consistency to get there. But 
I can say it's only been positive. It's only been helpful. Absolutely. Absolutely. And it's, it's kind of, you know, one of the things, what, what we do in subconscious kind of type of rewiring, um, what I did with clients is really kind of picturing themselves as looking at the mirror and, and really seeing that version of themselves and picking up this dress that they would wear. Now wait till they get skinny to wear this thing. Find something that inspires them already where they are and not holding on to the very skinny jeans that probably you're not going to fit in because who cares about sizes? It's about what fits you and you feel good right now. So it's also envisioning yourself, really feeling it, tapping into that feeling. And a little tip for me, do it right before you go to sleep and right when you wake up in the morning. Those are the golden moments where your subconscious mind is open to suggestions. So by you starting your day and you really envision yourself starting your day, what would that person would eat right now? Are, what kind of workup they're going to do right now? Um, who are they going to see? What are they going to do? All these things and kind of see envisioning their day. Most likely you're going to do that intentionally or intentionally, but it just, it's just going to be feel easier. There's no resistance there. And right where we go to sleep as well, kind of also being grateful for your body that is mm-hmm. serving you. Cause I got to tell you guys as a mom and I give birth, I didn't realize how much I didn't give my body credit. Cause you know, we kind of like, Oh, whatever hands, legs, my, my organs function. Okay. Whatever. Cause it's happening subconsciously, right? It's working itself out. I don't intentionally make my, 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 you know, my uh, body to do what it needs to do. Right. But whenever I gave birth, I just remember this feeling after like, holy shit, I'm so grateful that I created this life in me. And it sounds so cliche and everybody say it, but once you, you realize that, like, oh my God. (laughs) And it's amazing. And it came back to its own, like everything is working and I don't need to control it and everything is working. Wow. Thank you. Thank you for this body that does what it needs to do. And as I said, when you go to sleep, sing gratitude and again, come back to that vision of yourself and really immerse in that and drift to sleep. This is like the biggest hack. Um, And there's one more thing that I forgot to say. So I'll get back to that. (laughs) We'll come back to it. Well, I love what you're saying. It's definitely true. I actually, I don't know the science behind it, but I was reading something recently. I'm dumbing this down because I don't remember exactly what it is, but it says, First thing in the morning, don't be scrolling on your phone, looking at social media. That's when your mind is basically the most malleable. And um, it's, I hate to say like it's most, it's not that it's like most influenceable, but there's something really specific. It's either with like the synapses or it's like, it's it's more than that. But You are in alpha state, right? Okay. That's, it's kind of like when you, it's in between where you don't know where reality is, what dream is. Okay. That is what it is. It's a certain state, right? Okay. So your heart, um, if you really kind of measure the waves, this is what we want to get when we're in hypnosis and also when you are in very deep meditative states, right? Okay. That's when your heart and your brain waves are actually aligned. Wow. There's not this chatter in the brain and, and your heart is doing something completely. They are the same wave. And this is what we call in spirituality alignment, right? It's a big okay. word now. But this is what it means. It's a state of of, of true um, neutrality almost, right? You're okay. in that center. 
I love that. Yeah. Well, it's fascinating to me and I'm glad you just said it because I read it. I'm like, I believe it. Now I, you know, you're seconding the motion. But since then, I look at my Pinterest vision board every morning. I don't look at social media. I look, I look at that because they're like, this is when it has the biggest influence. This is when it's like most, you know, going to have like the biggest impact with your brain and like then your energy moving forward. I'm like, okay, I can do that. And so that was at this point, like, maybe three months ago. And I've been doing that ever since I look at my Pinterest vision board every morning instead of like social media or anything. And I spend a good, like, yes. I don't know, seven to 10 minutes just looking at it and envisioning what I want to envision. Okay. So I don't know if you can see, but yeah. in my phone, my screensaver is my vision board. I love that. So it's just like another way, because as we said, repetition is key, specifically yeah. if you want to rewire a new belief, you want to see it, you want to feel it, you want to taste it, you want to smell it. There is a whole immersive five senses situation that needs to happen. Um, and if you just put it on your phone, like put a picture that inspires you, not that makes you feel like shit. <laughs> some people put like, like a bikini model, like, right. no, that's just now. It's like, just, yeah, like you're just, never going to look like her. That's okay. <laughs> yeah. You'd be like, okay, that, that's just like, you feel worse about yourself. No, put something that makes you feel good. That inspires you and really tune to the feeling of what picture you're putting out to make sure that you're not kind of putting more energy towards one night, what do you want, but more right. what you want. Right. So that's a little, another quick tip. <laughs> yeah, no, definitely. And definitely not a picture that makes you feel like shamed. Like you said, nothing that makes you feel like shit. Like it should be something inspiring, happy. And again, that's a way to tap into the subconscious. Cause it's like, you're constantly looking at it. It doesn't mean you're st sitting there staring at your phone with like causing a whole like dialogue in your head, but the subconscious, it takes note of all of these things. And if it's constantly looking at it, there you go. You're working it yeah. into your day-to-day -day life. Absolutely. And if you guys want another tip. Yes. It comes through my mind and something that I do with my clients. It's a mirror kind of um, inner work that I think is very important for all of us to do. But especially if you're trying to lose weight and you're trying to find kind of more peace within yourself and healthier relationship with yourself and your food is look at yourself in the mirror every single day. Look at yourself in the eyes and say, I love you. I love you. But truly look at yourself in the eyes. And so many people are just are not able even to say those words. They're yeah. crying or they kind of like avoid that feels awkward. But really look at yourself and, and understand that when you love yourself unconditionally and understand there's nothing wrong with you right now, even if you're right now super overweight, you are still, that's not who you are. That's just a phase in your life right now. But in deep in your heart, you are infinite soul, infinite energy that is connected to something so much bigger than you can ever imagine. And God's source universe wants you to be here in this planet earth for a certain reason and focusing on shaming yourself and makes you and making yourself feel like you're not good enough or you need to be a certain way to be worthy and loved. No, you're already worthy and loved the way you are, but you cannot expect 
that your weight or your physical appearance or whatever you do externally is going to give you that sense of worthiness. You have to work at it within you wherever you are right now. So saying those words to yourself, looking yourself in the mirror, really repeating those words and not forgetting that this is the most important relationship between before everything else is with yourself. And we kind of forget it and we kind of just go about our day. We're trying to, you know, cross things from our to-do list and make sure our boss is happy with us. Our boyfriend is happy with us. Everybody's happy with us, but we're not doing anything for ourselves and right. really focusing on truly loving ourselves. So that's pilot. a quick tip. <laughs> yeah, no, that's a great tip. I loved so many things that you said. I'm trying to think. The first one, um, oh, looking at yourself saying, I love you. It's so funny. So again, not to make this about my divorce, but after I got divorced, maybe like a year or two later, I was like, I miss having someone to say, I love you too. So I say it to my dog because yes, I, I was love about her. To say. <laughs> and I was like, I'm finally like, okay, I think I'm ready to like love someone because I miss having someone to say that to. And I guess now I can say it to myself. I mean, I do love myself, but I've never done that where I like look in the mirror and look in oh, the eyes. Oh, good girl. You're going to feel, it's, it's just going to change your life. I'm telling yeah. you, it's, it's super weird at the beginning, but it's, it's just, everything comes from self-love. Yeah. And one of the things I came back to me, whatever I want to oh, say. Good. Go ahead. Good. So remember I said about envisioning yourself when you start your day and thinking about what is that version of yourself going to do? A lot of time people do kind of like that approach of zero hundred, meaning if I didn't eat properly, like by the book, everything right. that you kind of prescripted and tell me that I have to eat or I did a whole two hour workout, I'm failing. Right. This is where a lot of people are kind of putting themselves down before they realize it because it is not about the zero hundred. It's not about black and white. It's about those little steps, the little decisions you make throughout the day. And as you said, the hardest thing is to start, right? It's to get out of the relationship. It's get out of the bed. It's go to put your tennis shoes and go to the gym. Yeah. It's to... Pick that salad, although you really want that hamburger, right? It's about those little things that you do that accumulates to the success that is for you. So for me, for instance, I'm a mom, I'm a busy mom. I'm, you know, I have, I'm a, I'm, I have my day job. I do my business. I'm performing. I do a lot of things and, and this is my choice and I really, really love my life. But I do want to give myself this time in the morning where I'm meditating. I have my ritual and I'm also working out, but I'm not working out to look good. I'm not working out to like, you know, get a certain kind of physique. For me, it's just to move my body, to feel my body, to give my body what it needs. And now I'm really hooked on MWH, Melissa okay. Wood Health. Uh, she's uh, fantastic. She's kind of like me, like, and she's kind of infusing many different um, modalities into one, but it's just so gentle on your body. It's just kind of elongates your muscles and really works with the feminine kind of body. Um, and I love that. And honestly, I do it for 15 minutes and that's okay. That's amazing. And yeah. You work it in, you work it in. And my husband looked at me the other day. He's like, damn, you have like abs. 
And he's like, I don't know how you do this because you're not, <laughs> you're not doing anything specific. And that's what it's all about is because I make those little better decisions, although I'm very busy, but 15 minutes is better than none. Eating a salad once a day, it's better than completely saying, oh, no, I felt so. Okay, I already ate now well today, so let me just binge the entire, the entire thing. Right. Yeah. No, well, I've heard only great things about Melissa Wood Health. I've never tried it personally. Um, but you touch on the cognitive distortion we deal with all the time in nutrition that it's called black and white thinking or all or nothing thinking like good food, bad food, or like, oh, I had ice cream. Fuck it. I'm going to eat like shit the rest of the day. I mean, no. And you're, you're, (laughs) you incorporating the 15 minutes here or there when you can is a perfect example of like, you should still do it just because you can't get a one hour workout in doesn't mean you shouldn't get the 15 minutes in. It's not, again, that's that all or nothing thing. Like, no, it's still a great workout. You still have 15 minutes and there's so many benefits beyond like calorie burning and like physique, like you said, mental health, how you see yourself, honoring your body, respecting your body, like supporting your body and your health. This is where people, this is where mindful eating really comes into play and where people really struggle with like the good food, bad food, or like I had one unhealthy meal the rest of the day is a free-for-all. This is where we really need to hold ourselves accountable. And you just say, okay, that wasn't the healthiest lunch. I didn't plan ahead. I'm going to you know, work out a plan that for tomorrow, you make sure you plan ahead. And you just say, okay, for the rest of the day, I'm going to make sure my meals are healthier. I'm hydrating. I'm moving. I'm focusing on you know, the protein, the greens, the veggies, and maybe I'll skip the dessert because I had a cookie with my lunch, you know, whatever it is. But the point is, don't beat yourself up. This isn't like the whole day is shot. You have to get comfortable with, okay, tomorrow's lunch will be better. The rest of the day, I'm going to make sure I'm prepared and eating what I want to be eating. That's going to make me feel my best because nothing's perfect. Like the all or nothing, the black and white, good, bad, like Yes. You'll be struggling for the rest of your life. If one hair is out of place, the whole outfit's ruined. Like, no, no. Exactly. Exactly. And honestly, it's so easy. You know, right now we're kind of in, in the end, not the end of our journey, but we are further ahead and it is okay to reach out to you, to reach out to people like me, you know, to find your support team because it's not easy to do it by yourself because you're in your head, you're in your thoughts and you really convincing, right? You're very convincing to yourself and you are easily can go into this like spiral and to have somebody to check in like you and say, Hey, I'm feeling this type of way. I just ate this. And what do you think? Like just to have somebody that really wants the best for you and knows you and knows what's truly like they seen it all they know it all it's just such a it's it's just truly life-changing um we don't people understand like you cannot do it by yourself and it's not we're not supposed to do this whole thing by ourselves called life right no that's why we are meant to be supported and allow help to come yes it it takes a village i think this is a great place to close out because I'm, of course, going to link to you in the show notes, your website, your podcast, Effortlessly Abundant Life. If anyone (laughs) is in need or curious about the mindset shift, subconscious expert, because it really is a tool. And same with dietetics. Like, not some people get embarrassed. It's like, no, 
we need professionals. We need help. That's why there's certifications. That's why there's credentials that go along with these things. It's not information that people just know. So having a team, having support system, having people you can reach out to. Yeah. It makes, it can make all the difference. So thank you so much. This has been, I mean, for me personally, this has been a a lovely Friday afternoon an amazing conversation. (laughs) I hope you enjoyed it as well. Thank you. Oh my God. I had the best time. I was like, I can talk for, for hours with you about eating, about mindfulness, about everything. God, <laughs> there's so yeah. much to talk about. There's so much. Yeah. You'll come back. I feel like we'll have part two. <laughs> exactly. Will. Exactly. There's going to be a lot of parts. Yeah. Okay. Well, thank you, Natalia. Thank you, Luz. Bye.